This is On the Border with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. A Red Apple Podcast production. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Here we are once again with On the Border with Bo Snurdly and Todd Benzman with the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd, where are you this week? Well, now I'm back in civilization. I'm in Austin, Texas, my home base. I work for Center for Immigration Studies, which is based, which is in, out of D.C., but I'm in Austin with ready access to the border and producing out the rest from my trip down to Tapachula from last week. Now, you have a story this week that I found simply incredible. Um, you've done a three-part series from the southern border that appears, you can find it also on the at the Center for Immigration Studies website. The United Nations, the United Nations is providing psychological help for those that are turned away. And the psychologists work with them to dig out, quote, unquote, repressed memories. And those repressed memories are horror stories. They're Oh my goodness, I was persecuted. I was depressed. I was I went through trauma and that allows them to clear an asylum status at a 90% success rate. Do I have that right? You have that exactly right. And it's how that was uh explained to me uh because, you know, I'm walking around town and reporting in Tapachula, which is the major crossroads city. Uh, right on top of an international migration uh, route that through which millions of people have headed to our border. So that is the spot where the Mexicans decided to try to block them up. Not very successfully, as I reported earlier, every few months they kind of do a, a QR code visa to everybody that lets everybody through to 15 different places Uh, But for those who don't feel like waiting for the three or four months until that happens, uh, they might be able to get their residence card uh, earlier than that, which gets them right up to the border. Because these residence cards, I should point out, are found by the hundreds all over the Texas Riverbank, the Rio Grande Riverbank. Uh, You can uh, find debris piles on actually on both sides. And inside of 10 or 15 minutes, you can have 50 or 60 of these cards. They throw them away. The reason they throw them away is because those cards go against their American asylum claims that they're going to make. And they're probably going to make them with the same stories that they, quote unquote, remembered, that the psychologists helped them remember down there. Now, you spoke to a gentleman named Enrique Vidal. Can you tell us about the interview that you conducted with Mr. Vidal? Right. So I, I found his uh, storefront in Tapachula, uh, the organization's storefront, and they were closed temporarily for COVID. There was a, another one across town that was open that offered the same services, uh, psychological and legal services, and that one's run by the Jesuits. And it's also uh, UN-funded for this purpose, to help migrants get through the asylum system. But anyway, uh, I was able to get, I was curious, what do you mean 
by you're offering psych- psychological services. Two different places are offering psychological services. Why? What psychological services? So uh, I called the number outside on the building and asked for an interview to explain it. And it took a couple of days, uh, and, and the gentleman agreed to an interview, although he wouldn't meet me in person. Uh, so well, we talked on the phone. Uh, I was only maybe six blocks from his place because they were closed. And uh, it was a recorded interview uh, and translated uh, with my interpreter. And I asked each question three or four different ways to make sure that there was no possibility that I could have mistaken this or had gotten it wrong. Uh, and then, you know, have had it retranslated again to just make sure. So, you know, he did tell me these things as to my knowledge is the first time that uh, this is the psychological services part of this has ever been explained. Uh, but there's a little bit more to the story. Um, for one thing, the the repressed memories is only one aspect of the services that they provide. The other aspect is that for immigrants who have yet to apply for asylum, they just arrived and, and they they are going to apply. And for that, they do trainings, large classrooms. They fill them up and they bring their lawyers in who tell them what passes muster and what doesn't at the interview. He said that in 2019, they put 18 or 19,000 immigrants at just his one place through that training. And he said that the one thing that they always point out is, you know, de-emphasize the economic hardship and emphasize the things that'll get you in, which is government persecution and, you know, fear for your life, kind of hardships in your home country uh, and that sort of thing. And so far more uh, people, immigrants are, to me, it looks like coaching about how to get through successfully uh, with a, an asylum claim. And most of these people, I mean, look, I've been interviewing immigrants. I spent a whole week down there, but that was just the most recent one. Uh, I, I've spent a lot of time with immigrants. They tell you before they lawyer up, before they ever get in front of a lawyer or anything, I'm going to America to get a job. They just say that all the time, constantly. So I think it's really obvious that the vast majority of these people are not legitimate asylum seekers. They're economic migrants using asylum systems to get to the border. And one of the things that is disturbing in this is that Mr. Vidal, and again, he's not the only one doing this. The Jesuits have their own operation, as you point out, is is saying, and he said in the interview that you had with him, look, if the majority of these people were lying, we wouldn't be successful. The Mexican authorities would not recognize them as refugees. If we have a high percentage of success, it's because we have the truth. With migrants, it's harder to lie. I don't know how you can come up with that. The authorities would find out about it. The authorities are not doing any background checks. They're taking these stories, and they're pretty much, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, rubber stamping them. They cannot be going back and looking extensively into each person's life and determining whether the stories that are these so-called repressed memories are true. They do, I don't understand that they would have the resources to do that. Am I correct or not? You're, yeah, you're totally correct. And he acknowledged 
that there's no verification going on, uh, nothing like that. We don't do much verification on our end up here. We can't. They take the migrant's word for it. And if their word is based on recently unearthed and and excavated mind uh, memories that had been repressed because they were so traumatic, uh, then, you know, so be it. That's that's what they do. And, you know, listen, his answer, I, you know, I wanted to give him an opportunity. I could sort of anticipate that, you know, people who are interested in border security uh, and fidelity in border security, that they would look at my report and question whether he was running a coaching mill uh, or, uh, you know, an unethical you know, mill to just, you know, get people through to the United States. And what would he say to that? And his, you know, how do you know, you know, I'm sure people that read me, read my piece are going to say, they're just making all this up. They just came up with a story that would work. And and these people helped them come up with stories that worked. What, what do you say about that, sir? What would you, what would your response be? And that was his answer. He said, well, the Mexicans accept it. So it must be true. They're not lying. That's the, his evidence is that the Mexicans are accepting the stories. So I just let that stand, you know. We are not doing in the United States, we're not giving the United Nations any pushback from their role, not only in this repressed memory scheme, that's my phrase for it, this repressed memory scheme that allows immigrants trying to enter the United States for economic reasons to claim that they have repressed memories, but also the UN was involved in helping to fund immigrants that are coming here. The, it seems to me that the UN, the United Nations, is playing an outside role, a very outsized role, I meant to say, in the border issues that the United States is having. And I don't know what their motive is. Do you? Well, uh, I did get uh, my very first written response from them from the united nations in tapachula uh so it was a it's about the debit cards that they're handing out uh and the cash stuffed envelopes and the rent and lodging subsidies and etc and you know i just let them speak i mean it was it was our you know the only opportunity to hear what they had to say and so far and you know they're they're explanation is that, you know, they only select highly vulnerable recipients, people who are in, you know, grave danger or grave vulnerability on the trail. But I got to tell you, I've, I've seen two lines in two different camps uh, to get these cards. Uh, And I saw them handing out cards in Reynosa and they just look like family units to me, regular family units that you see crossing the border, you know, moms with kids. I mean, that's, that's who's mostly crossing the border right now. I mean, I didn't see a bunch of people in wheelchairs or, you know, really old hobbled. I mean, I just, I don't know what they mean. And they, they haven't answered what they mean by highly vulnerable. And I suspect that they're just handing as many out as they can to, you know, maybe family units uh, as much as they as they can. And, and, you know, listen, there are Republicans on the House side who are angry 
about this and their interpretation, uh, which I agree with, I happen to agree with, with their interpretation is that this kind of handout aids and abets illegal immigration and it's using American taxpayer dollars to do it against the American national interest. Uh, so there is a movement, there is a growing awareness that these congressmen have already written a bill uh, proposing to defund the United Nations over this. And I think it's just going to grow, especially now that we know that they're funding this, what looks like a coaching and repressed memory recovery mill to gain the asylum system, the Mexican asylum system, too. Todd, once again, your reporting is incredible. These stories on their surface often sound hard to believe, but you're there. You're witnessing it. You're seeing it. You're talking to the people involved in it. And you're digging out the truth that we cannot find in any mainstream American news outlet. Congratulations on your reporting, and we look forward to speaking with you next week. That's right. There's more coming. So let's just put it that way. All righty. Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies. Let's leave by you telling us how people can reach you, Todd. Okay. Yeah. So I work for the Center for Immigration Studies, and my reporting can be found there on the website, cis.org. Uh, I have a Getter account, T. Benzman at Getter, and I'm on Twitter too, Benzman Todd at least for the time being. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> at least for the time being. So we'll look forward to speaking with you next week in our next installment of On the Border. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.